The Hot 4 podcast this week is proudly sponsored by Chris Malt. Since 1870, Crisp has been producing the finest malt at Great Ribera in Norfolk. With five maltings located in the best barley growing areas in the UK, they produce a wide range of malts and non-malted cereals in 25 kilogram sacks for craft brewers and distillers all over the world. They still work one of the last remaining floor maltings in England and use it to make their pioneering heritage malts. They also craft roasted and crystal malts of unprecedented quality on their vertical all-electric tower roasting plants, the only one of its kind in the UK. Check out their website for more information about their range of malts and also their educational blogs and webinars too at chrismalt.com. That's chrismalt.com. I'm Nick Law. And you're listening to the Hop Forward Podcast, getting you ahead in the brewing and beer business. Hop Forward is a weekly podcast dedicated to the craft beer industry, featuring interviews, discussions and stories from the whole brewing supply chain from grain to glass. So grab yourself a glass, pour yourself a beer and get ready to hop forward in the brewing and beer business. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Hot 4 podcast. Um, you can probably hear that I'm not in my house at the moment, nor am I in the pub yet. But I'm actually at Sheffield Station waiting to go to Manchester. To, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm a little bit anxious about this. It's the first time I've done a, a beer-related journey on a train for over 18 months or whatever it is now. Uh, the last time I, I made the journey in this direction was out to Seba BRX, which for any of our international listeners is the UK's largest beer trade show. I think it's the largest, but it's, it's like a highlight of my year traveling west to go to that. And yeah, it's, um, it's a bit weird being in the train station doing this. So you might be asking this week why Am I going to Manchester? Well, there are loads of great reasons to go to Manchester. Uh, there's some amazing breweries like Track Brew Co, Cloudwater, Beer Nouveau, Manchester Union. But the brewery I'm heading to today is ABC. They're all along a little strip, a lot of them under the railway arches of Manchester. Um, so I'm heading out there to meet Dave Hayward from a hoppy place. So for those familiar with Dave, uh, Dave and Naomi run a bottle shop in Windsor. Um, selling independent beers absolutely great guy and we've got to know each other online quite a lot but I've never actually met him in person so when the opportunity came up to head over the Pennines on the train to go and drink some beers with Dave and have a good chat about some of the challenges that independent bottle shops face I jumped at the chance naturally so I'm going to take on a bit of a whistle stop journey between Sheffield and Manchester might do it on the train might come across a bit weird if I'm doing it on the train but you know you'd think people would be used to podcasters and YouTubers by now so anyway um, that's what's happening and oh, there's a train coming it's not my train though I nearly got on the wrong train earlier <laughs> I'm a bit of a rookie at this sort of thing these days yeah don't know about you out there but I'm, I'm a bit of an anxious traveller I like to think I'm not I'd like to think that I'd smash it going on planes travelling around the world going interrailing across Europe but um, alas you know I'd probably be crapping myself so anyway I'm going to leave this here and 
see how we get on. This is a match on today, as you can hear, so I thought I'd uh, get recording. I've just heard that Sheffield's a shithole, apparently. There you go. Where are these fans from? Cronenberg's out already by the looks of it. Glad I wasn't on that train. Blimey. This is why I do other things that aren't watching 11 blokes kick a ball about. I know some of you will crucify me out there for saying that, but I just, quite frankly, I, I don't give a shit. And these days, I don't feel like I need to give a shit, which is great because growing up, where my dad and my brother were Unitedites and my friends were Wednesdayites, you know, I had to pick a side and I had to be on the side. Because, you know, in the growing up in the 80s and 90s, you know, all your mates been to footy. And if you weren't, you were just a bit weird. So anyway, they've gone now. So um, yeah, as you were. Well, there you go. Made it to Manchester in one piece. So I'm uh, off the beaten track at the moment as I'm walking towards track, Bruco and Cloudwater. Um, I hope I've got enough time to go for a pint before I meet Dave. It's quarter past one, so I might be pushing it a bit. I'm gonna think, I think I might have to save Cloudwater till after. Kind of want to sit down and enjoy something there. Like, you know, like a double IPA fresh from the source. So, I uh, guess it'll be track. So, my first stop is at Track Bruco. So, I, I always thought Track was in a railway arch. I think last time I put my head in, they were, but we are going back to 2018. Um, but they're in this lovely unit now, opposite Cloudwater. Um, and the tap room's lovely. And I'm drinking a pint of Sonoma which I'm a little bit gutted I didn't have on cask after reading Matt Curtis's book, Modern British Beer, uh, which is a great read, by the way. Um, but he talks about it on cask there. So I, I came here lured by the cask, but it wasn't on. But alas, I got it on keg and um, it's absolutely spot on. So it's a great brewery. Um, trying to describe it, so you know what breweries look like. They're shiny, lots of uh, DPVs. Someone who's got the, the wonderful job of, looks like uh, cleaning everything. Yeah, that's interesting. I've been looking at getting a Zarman Nagel um, and he's, the brewer's cleaning it out, but it's not a Zarman Nagel, it's one of the other shaky shakies. Might have to quiz him about that. There you go, I'm a nerd. What can I say? So I'm gonna, I'm, I don't really have much to say other than it's a great venue. And uh, as a brewer, I'm admiring their floor. <laughs> Most brewers just admire people's floors, so, um, that's how sad I am. I look at my floor, albeit I'm very small. I look at the brewery floors I've had the pleasure to brew on, all three of them. <laughs> and uh, Trek, if you're listening, I'm admiring your floor. I should quit while I'm ahead. I, I wasn't gonna record anymore, but I, I, th I think this brewer who's cleaning the brewery is rubbing it in with this big squeegee across the floor. Um, this, this is after I spent pretty much like from about 10 a.m. till 4 p.m. cleaning my floor the other day. Again, you all know the story. I've talked about it often enough. I'm in a cellar and there's no drainage. So I, I haven't got the luxury of squeegeeing all my sminge into the drain. 
but um, this is why if you're listening and you're a brewer and you don't have a good floor, you need a good floor. It just pays for itself in time and energy. I can't believe I'm sat here by myself <laughs> coveting a floor. There's something really sad about that, isn't there? But I'm, I'm really enjoying myself. I'm fine. I'm fine by sitting by myself, coveting a floor. Hopefully when I make Dave, I won't have got like cabin fever <laughs> by that point. <laughs> Cheers, Dave. Cheers. A beer in person. Absolutely. So, um, welcome to the Hot Four podcast. Do you, do you want to introduce where Thank we are? You know. uh, yeah, we're at um, Alphabet Brewing Co. Uh, ABC uh, in Manchester, just past. I think it's Piccadilly Station. It's the main one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, back in Manchester. It's a town I've only been to three times, but I'm getting a real kind of affinity for. Um, sort of, if we ever moved out of the Thames Valley. Could see myself being up here. Oh, it's, cool it's, all, it's all happening. Manchester's all the rage, isn't it? Yeah, love it. Cool. Well, place. yeah. Well, thanks for organising it here at um, Alphabet Brewing. Um, very, very, very short yeah, notice. They were, they were very good to us. In fairness, yeah. so we get asked with what eleven hours notice, can you host a podcast? Yeah. And, and they've managed to get us in. So yeah, it's excellent. Awesome. Cool, mate. So um, you basically contacted me recently, being like, "Oh, can I?" jump on the podcast because mm. we chat before aren't we yeah. like we chat quite a bit online and stuff um, but normally I set the agenda whereas <laughs> like you set the agenda this time so I might I might hand over to you to, to kind of brain dump your thoughts okay and then we'll just chat about it cool so I guess if I'm, I'm not the best at being structured so I'll try and keep us in some semblance of, of order it always takes me a few drafts to get things in a way that actually makes sense rather than just being my slightly ADHD brain being everywhere, which it normally is. Uh, but like, we spoke uh, almost two years ago now. Um, well, you know, 19, 20 months ago, like yeah. just before everything fully closed during that weird time when mm. we were kind of a bit open and a bit not um, about, you know, what lockdown could mean or the, the, the various pivots that we have to do. And so I just, I was thinking recently about where we are out the back of it and the, and the way sort of consumer behaviour but also brewery behaviour and, and pub behaviour has kind of changed and, mm. and just how I felt about those changes and if I thought they were a good thing or, or not and you know basically no I, I don't I think there's some things that have changed that are quite negative no, for, for everyone for, yep. for the industry for the people working in it for the, for the brewery supply in it for the bottle shops and pubs and, and even you know for the consumers at the far end I just I don't think we're in a particularly healthy space at the minute it's certainly to keep growing craft beer I, I think that you know it's not it's not great yeah so i mean for anyone listening I'll, and i'll put this in the show notes you should probably read your blog post i mean i only read it this morning um in in the typical way that i do um <laughs> things a bit last minute sometimes and um i was really struck by it actually about how you mentioned about um how bottle shops historically have been like the sales rep for yeah. breweries you know yeah it's like if you go to the independent record store yeah and you'd be like oh dave what's What's a good new album? You're like, oh man, I've just got, I've got the album just for you, and they pull out the vinyl and you put it on the thing, and you're like, oh, I'll buy that. Yeah. Um, whereas that's kind of like disappearing. I think it is underneath your feet. It, it, it seems to me that we're replacing those interactions that uh, that we all had uh, with with now just hoping 
basically hoping for sort of apathy from from your customers, which is, well, they've ordered from us before, they'll do it again. Mm. And that, that ability to, but certainly, like, if you're one of the biggest craft breweries, you might be okay. Um, but if you're, if you're slightly smaller, just how are you reaching out to, to new customers if you're doing it? So you've got your mailing list, you've got your little website, you're not going to turn up in Google for a search for craft beer necessarily, so how are they ever going to find you? And what we had a lot more of a couple of years ago, and, and you know, we've, we've been open two and a bit years now, uh, but worked in beer a little bit longer than that. The industry that we had was just, you go to a new town, you, you find a pub, they tell you what's good. Mm. Um, and that seems to be changing a little bit. Uh, the breweries aren't, I'm, I'm getting way less approaches about stocking beer than I was before. That's interesting. Um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's a weird one. Um, do you think, so do, do you think a lot more breweries are selling direct to consumers now or? There, there's a couple of, there's like three types maybe. There, there's the ones that are selling direct to consumers but at quite a high price point. Right. Which I've not necessarily got any issue with at all. Like, I, What I don't want is for my suppliers to also be my competitors. Right. Um, so, you know, the guys that sort of, yeah, great, they make more money, good, good for them because there's not a lot of money in beer and I've got no issue with, with the brewery taking a little bit more margin. So, they're, you know, they're fine and, and obviously Cloudwater here in, in, in Manchester, they, they maintain a fair price on the beer that they sell online. So, yep. no, no, no challenge, no, no trouble with that whatsoever. The, the second type is the ones that are knocking what would be our margin off and, and just selling it too quick cheaper than, than we ever could. And that, that's kind of quite damaging. I think there's quite a lot more of those than, than there were. Mm. Um, and then like the, the kind of worst combination of the two is the ones that do that, but also have a massive guest range. And basically they're trying to be a bottle shop now. Right. They're sort of like, you know, maybe before lockdown, they couldn't be bothered um, doing that direct customer stuff because it's incredibly time in, intensive and the, the costs are very high. Like, you know, a box of six beers in it versus a pallet full of boxes of beer when you're sorting shipping out. It's your time arranging it, and it's the raw cost of, of shipping it. They didn't seem like they could be bothered. Um, suddenly, with COVID, they had to, which which I totally get. But but now uh, they're investing massive massive amounts of time, energy, money in, into continuing to do that. When you know the whole reason that they've gotten in a lot not there's all there's always exceptions and there's always things I won't have considered. But a lot of, a lot of cases, the reason they got to the size they were, they've kind of forgotten about, and they're not going back to that channel. And I don't really see why. It seems mm. like. You know, I've signed up to do all that direct-to-consumer stuff and all the headaches that come with it. Yep. They've signed up to brew beer. So I kind of, it's just a bit weird to me. Yeah, you know, I remember, in fact, this, I, this reminds me before I forget, I bought some my beers. Yeah. And um, Super. I remember my business mentor when I first started was saying, oh, you need, you need to sell direct-to-consumer as much as possible, cut yeah. out the middleman, retain your margins and so on. And at the time, I was like, okay, yeah, that makes sense, and so on. But the more I got to know indie bottle shops, and particularly the ones that were really championing yeah. and fighting my corner, oh, yeah. try this, and explaining yeah. my backstory, I was like, well, I don't think I want to cut them out. You know, and, it, and yeah. there are times where I will sell beers direct to consumer, but actually I want to honour and respect those people that have really championed me. I think, yeah, that 10-15% more margin is otherwise you're quite expensive full-time marketing manager. Yeah. And that, that's the way, you know. And um, at Christmas last year, I made the decision where normally I sell these directs at Christmas in like little gift packs and stuff and people pre-order them and all the rest of it. But um, last Christmas was like, you know what? Like bottle shops have had a hard time as well. I'm just going to some food bottle shops. If you want yeah. my beers at Christmas, go to your local bottle shop. Yeah, brilliant. And um, 
it's it's uh, historically bottle shops have always been the way in the UK and you know, obviously you know, well I suppose in America as well it's one like that but slightly different from the three tier system but bottle shops have always been the way that people have had their beers sold to the public yeah and it's you know it, it kind of now it's like it would be a massive slap in the face I guess to breweries not approaching people like yourself yeah it's, to help them out it just it just seems strange to, to me like it's short term gain maybe or certainly short term staying as close to the same as they could because I, I think we're shrinking a bit at the moment right. as an industry but but for, for long term what because it just doesn't seem sustainable to, mm. to do it that way so I mean just take me back to what it was like when we first went into lockdown for yeah. you as a bottle shop like obviously we, 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 we know what breweries did they set up websites <laughs> I had to build some of those websites yeah. <laughs> because breweries <laughs> didn't have them um, but they they set up websites and start selling direct to consumers what, what did bottle shops like self do? well in, in, in our case the, the same thing um, obviously we were we try and be all about like, the experience so we do we do drinking in our uh, I, I'll say our bottle shop but depending on the, the part of I don't know I call it a bottle shop sometimes I call it a tap room sometimes I don't really know what it is it's that weird blend but you know, bottle, bottle room bottle room or I, I, <laughs> tap shop bottle shop and tap tasting room is what yeah. it says on the internet Beautiful. but whatever um, but we I think we can all picture in our we, heads yeah we were trying to replace the experiences that we had at the bar with something that we could do remotely mm. so yeah I, I happen to be an IT consultant by day so I could get a good website up quite quickly right um, but then the, sort of beyond that the very next thing we did was start announcing online events so we were like very early to the Zoom revolution yep. that everyone so is, is, is sorry to interrupt. Is the Hoppy Day like basically a business you run alongside a job you have? For, for me, Hoppy Place is exactly that. Yeah, uh, Naomi and uh, Jason, who's my brother-in-law, her uh, brother. Uh, so Naomi's my wife. If anyone doesn't know, um, they are full-time staff members. Right. I am doing pretty much full-time hours, but on top of right. full-time career. And yeah, something we want to do uh, is obviously make that not be the case anymore. Eventually, because it's interesting. Because I I know a lot of people in, in your position, your own. Bottle shop, tap room, bottle rooms, tap shops, whatever you want to call it, um, in that position where they'll have a job as a maybe a software developer yeah. or in finance or whatever it is, basically to supplement their love of craft beer and selling it and, exactly. and, and educating people on that kind of, on craft beer and yeah. Um, so what, what, when you got your shop online, at like obviously you're up against the, the quote-unquote competition of breweries yes. selling direct to consumer like how what was that like did, did you have a lot of people buying from you or we did uh, very well i think like especially the first lockdown it's everyone's been different and now is different again but especially the first lockdown there was like a definite fuck it mentality um people were like it was tuesday at 11 a.m let's have a tipper <laughs> You know, yeah. because furlough had just happened and they, it was all a bit fun. It was kind like, of like Christmas every yeah, day. I exactly. wish it could be Christmas every day. Which, which <laughs> I think lasted for most people for maybe like a month or six weeks yeah. before obviously the effects of that. I remember, I remember seeing my neighbour actually um, outside the local bakery at the top of our street and um, she said, um, oh, Oh, you know, they're talking about another three weeks and lockdown. I thought it should all be over by now. And I yeah. thought, you're fucking kidding me, right? Yeah. You know, this this shit is not going away for years. Yeah. yeah. So I can yeah, understand why it, people had that mentality of, I have an ice cold pint. Yeah. For all this so, so those early days, like we started day one, we were just local delivery. It was like a 10 mile radius from the shop. It was right. me and my stupid coupe. I've still got a totally unsuitable delivery vehicle. Um, <laughs> driving around with boxes every night. 
So we'd, I'd packed during the day. Obviously, at, at the time, it was me and one of our shareholders because uh, Naomi and Jason weren't. They, they had to take a few weeks off the business. We might touch on that. I'm not yeah. sure. Um, so so it's just me and one of my shareholders. The, the doors were closed initially because there was also this funny time before they decided that off-licenses were essential retail, which right. then we slowly started to plan to reopen the doors and let people in. Uh, very that was nuts, wasn't it? It was a weird time. Um, so like for, for a while we were completely closed and we were just treating the whole building as a delivery warehouse, which, which was fine. Mm. Uh, just me and, and Paul, one of my shareholders. And then we moved to a uh, table service, no, door service. So we literally put a table across the door and people could ask what they want and we'd pick it for them. Right. And that was sort of COVID secure as we could be at the time. Um, and you know, spraying every bag and can and all the rest of it, which we were doing. And then, yeah, yeah so th- those times, we had a hell of a lot of local support. People were really good to us, which given we'd only been open six months when all of this happened, which mm. was, it was quite wonderful to, to have that amount of support. Um, so the, the wider UK market, we didn't worry about until a little bit later, because um, we didn't deliver nationwide for about the first four, four maybe even four months, maybe mm. three, something like that. Uh, we then got a contract with APC and, and went into that space to, to yep. try and do more. The reason we did that is, is simply, yeah, that, that, that honeymoon period of, of, of furlough seemed to start coming to an end and we, we were seeing a noticeable drop off in the local market, right. which is fine. And I'm, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not, I'm not one to attempt to basically manipulate our customers. If they've realised they need to cut down, they're probably right. Like, it was mad. Mm. It was really a bit silly for a few weeks. So, yeah, we went nationwide to try and keep ourselves above water. Um, and that's when sort of the brewery competition started to kick in right. because, yeah, they were all doing the same thing about the same time. I think, um, I mean, we'll come back to that. Um, I think something that really struck me in the post you wrote, which I know I can relate to, but I hadn't really thought about this much beyond myself, was um, drinking alone at home. Yeah. Because this experience of us sat in this brewery now, you know, and we should probably talk about the smoke port, right? Think we really should, actually. Absolutely lovely, yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. get there in a sec. Um, but, you know, th- this is why, or when I was at Trap Brew Co before this and seeing everyone there together, yeah. you know, like, this is this is why I feel like beer exists. Yeah. yeah. For the kind of, for the community, basically, to come together. Um, whereas when you're at home, like you said in your blog, it's so easy, like I did, on a Tuesday night, to be all like, Imperial Stout, Oh, double IPA, yeah. triple IPA. Yeah. Oh, let's just go for a triple, you know. And then like <laughs> you, you know, you don't even have to sort of worry about negotiating your way home. Yeah, but... yeah. <laughs> look, look, I, obviously, uh, that's how I feel. Like, it, certainly, at the beginning of lockdown, I was drinking too much at home by myself as well. And, and it's, it's something that I, I can see in myself that I think I can see in quite a few of our customers. And, you know, beer, the reason, again, the reason we got into beer and what we tried to do at the beginning of lockdown, the reason we went on Zoom is that we like to be with our mates and have a drink. Mm. And it's close. So like every Friday we had uh, an unofficial Zoom event, which was Hoppy Pub. And like 15 of our locals basically, roughly, just dialed in and we just, no, no, no subject, anything. We were just online. And then we're having a drink at home, except we're not alone. Yeah. And, and doing that. And that, so that's what we've always been about is, is that community. And, and what I don't like is to see the way things seem to be going to an extent which, which is really promoting just order from the brewery, drink it, order again. You know, I, I love pubs. That's why, that's why I'm in beer. Yeah. I, I love pubs, I think most of us do. Um, and yeah, it seems to be taking people a step away from that. And there's a few questions about that. The, the first is obviously the health concern, I, th- I think is worth talking about. 
Um, but but more than that is just we're losing that community feel. So what, how are you getting anyone new into beer with the concept of drink this six unit single can by yourself on the sofa? That's not a compelling way mm. into beer for anyone. It, it's just not. <laughs> I, th- I think, I mean, I, I personally think, and I don't know if this is a brewery's responsibility or the government's responsibility, I, I think that um, there, there should be more awareness and even health warnings on a, a label than there is. Mm. So yesterday I had a, it was a 13% beer, I don't know, I can't remember the brewery, it's an American brewery, but it was basically like a barrel-aged stout in a barrel that had held some kind of Flanders red beer in yeah, it sounds previously. Like my sort of thing. It was really nice, you know, but I looked on the back of this 330 in the bottle and it said it had 413 calories. And I was like, and I'm yeah, trying to be mindful about my weight, and I was like, whoa, wow, you know, <laughs> I was like, Maybe I, that that really sort of like took me and grabbed me. Yeah. It's like I'm obviously my has beer has calories, yeah. but for something like that, and if I'm having maybe one of those and a double IPA and a sessionable beer in an evening, all of a sudden I've had a full meal and then maybe yeah. then some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you do like five big strong beers across the day, you, you've done your full intake mm. just just in liquid. It's, yeah. yeah it's a, it's a big thing. I loved, um, it happened like, t- maybe two years ago, Wonder Beyond did a lot of them. Mm. Um, the little stubbies, the 250s. I was talking about this the other day with someone, I can't remember who it was, but yeah, yeah. I think it's just I a those. better way to consume a beer like that. I've seen people saying, well, you can't you can't possibly taste a beer in that smaller can, so don't yeah, be ridiculous, of course yeah, you can. can. <laughs> I mean, if you go to Dark City, um, or Dark and Wild, as it's now called, from Northern Monk, you know, you get those tiny little glasses. Yeah. And that is the best way to taste all those different beers. <laughs> but. You don't, you don't need, you don't even really need 330 mil, let alone 440 mil. No, I think the 250's great. I mean, if, you're, if we're judging, you'll get less than a third, yeah. and that, that's fine, so. Do you do a lot of beer judging? A bit, we're, we're on the SEBA list, but we tend to only do the local stuff. Right, I We see. were gonna come up for Beer X, but that, the, the one that got, um, no, it didn't get canceled, I had COVID, that's why. Oh, so we didn't yes. judge there. Okay, right. But then we did the digital one that they brought out whenever. In fact, we met on that briefly, didn't we? Yes, we did. Yeah. You were in my group, were you? I felt like everyone else got like the best, um, you know, oh, the Imperial Stout group or the Sour Beer group or whatever. And I, I got like, um, <laughs> what, what was mine? Session IPA. And Woo-hoo. I can guarantee there was only one beer in that whole category out of like 13 beers that remotely tasted like a, a session IPA. <laughs> I was like, if this was in the golden ale category, amazing. Mm. As an IPA, not so much. I, um, the worst, I, I, it was fine, like, I, I enjoy judging, so don't get me wrong, but the worst experience I had judging was at Love Beer London, and I think it was 2018, right. where I got pale ale, then alcohol free, and then pale ale again. <laughs> oh wow. And it's just, <laughs> I like pale ale, but I was so blind. Once you've had 25 pale ales, the 26 one's quite hard to work out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I mean, let's talk about this um, smoke port mm. we're drinking. So, what do you think? I do. You know, I do really like it. Lightly smoked, which is sensible. Like you can go huge, but it's going to turn off a lot of people. Yeah. I'm getting quite a like pleasing. It's almost like licoricey kind of thing from it as mm. well. Um, it's a really good beer. I, yeah, I'm a big fan of ABC. We don't stock enough of them. We, we've gotten a few of their beers in like, via distributors. I've never managed to get them indirect, but... I've never seen them in Sheffield, to be honest. And really? Like, obviously, you know, Sheffield's the next city along from Manchester. You're going um, west to east. 
but I mean, I think it's lush. Um, yeah. I love with smoke. I mean, I love smoke beers generally yeah. speaking. Um, but I love this. There's this ever so slight sweetness to them. Definitely. From the the smoked malt that you. Um, but yeah, I guess you almost don't expect. But yeah. It works, but it tends to lend itself better to darker beers. I think, I think you have to be able to taste beyond the smoke. Yeah. So if you have a lot of this sort of beer, you can kind of work out what's happening beneath it. So yeah, definitely like a very, very light caramel, and, and like, I, like I get licorice from it. Yeah. Um, really pleasing level of carb for me, like and body. It's not too chewy. Mm. I think I think they said it's just under five percent. Right. Um, I can't remember exactly, but this is what you want from that. There's a nice refresh, uh, refreshing it's, Christmas to it, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, definitely. And like yeah. if you're gonna use craft beer buzzwords. Like, beer buzz I, I would say crushable as much as a port of candy oh, I would neck a pint of this in we should, minutes we should do yeah. a bingo <laughs> craft beer bingo I try and avoid that I always like I hear myself back or it's just like what have you done That's it. Cr- crushable chewy I'm not saying I've just said it no I haven't said it I won't say it it starts with crispy and I'm not finishing it crispy boy I, yeah <laughs> I can't juice <laughs> I um, yeah I, uh, I was on a beer tasting the other day with Utopia and I used the word chewy <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, so, let's, let's just jump back on the timeline then. Yeah. So um, you, you've got your web shop online. Yeah. You're kind of doing these Zoom events. Um, yeah. I, mean, I guess two things that also stuck out um, from that blog post. You talk about um, winning the SEBA Business yeah. Awards. So, I mean, talk about that Which, first. Yeah, so, yeah, thank you. Um, so I'd actually forgotten to bring it up. Um, we are, it's a bit mad. I think it probably... Without, I always have imposter syndrome badly. I'm really bad at it, but like, I don't think we'd have won this outside of lockdown. But I, I take the, the positive from that. Look, we're, we're a very new business, but I think, well, I know, I guess, because they've recognised us for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're the UK uh, craft beer retailer of the year, which for a two-year-old business is quite a cool thing. Amazing. Um, and I think it's down to the way we've responded to COVID and what I was saying earlier about um, being really like event focused. It's also what we've done since we've reopened as well, which we might touch on. But um, just getting communities together. So I hosted, I'm also, for, for my sins, um, a camera committee member, a local level at SWM. Yeah, they're good people and they're actually pretty progressive for camera. Um, but we, so we, we're also the uh, SWM, which is Slough, Windsor and Maidenhead. We're the SWM camera pub of the year as well. So it's like a whole bunch of cast drinking, voucher holding, you know, Weatherspoons aficionados mm. have, have said that our little bottle shop with, with some kegs at the back and one, sometimes two casks is, is their favourite pub, which is quite kind of quite a cool thing as well. But we, we put on an online event for camera um, and had about 80 or so people. It was big, it was really mm. impressively big. And um, for Zoom and especially with, with the camera. Um, and this is the first time a lot of those guys have seen each other in nine or 10 months. And, and that was like I felt pretty proud that we'd like gotten friends back together, mm. um, especially like more vulnerable people because they tend to be an older community and camera, as we all know. And and yeah, we took a lot of pride from that. And I think like it's things like that that Seba recognised, and, and certainly Neil, um, Neil Neil Walker, who I spoke to about the award after, yeah. he said to me like basically yeah, it was recognition of community stuff that it's not. You're, you're probably a fine shop and, and well done you, but it, it's it's the way you've responded specifically yeah. rather than anything else, which it was really nice to hear. I guess that's the thing, isn't it? And I think this is why championing uh, bottle shops, particularly the, the kind that yours are, you know, that you know, basically for anyone listening that's not in the UK, it's it's basically like a, a bottle shop with some fridges and shelves, yeah. but it's also like uh, you got some um, keg taps, maybe even some hampers. It's like a mini, kind of mini tap room without a brewery. Yeah. Um, 
but it, you know, it, it's they are like for. I mean, for me, they're my favourite kind of spaces to go drinking. Yeah. Because like, I'm not gonna. <laughs> as um, listeners, I'm sure listening to this episode will hear. Um, I did a bit of recording on my journey from Sheffield to Manchester and I was at the train station <laughs> and um, there's evidently a football match on today. Uh, yes. United are playing somewhat, I don't know yes, who it was. explains the awful uh, traffic when oh, we're trying to get into town. Yeah, oh my word. Um, some of the uh, vulgarities <laughs> I heard, <laughs> bless my little ears. Um, you know, and it's just like, I don't want to go in the pub that's like, you know, with really bang, definitely one ear, you know, really banging music yeah. and a bunch of people yelling at yeah. a sports screen. You know, I want to go somewhere that's fairly quiet, like these places, you know, and, and really enjoy the beer and stuff. Yeah, well, um, where beer is the reason you're there, rather mm. than you're just in, you know, a chain pub, just trying to get as drunk as you can, as quickly as you can, you, you yeah. know. Part of the experience is what's in your glass, which, yeah. like, wine drinkers get, and, and a lot of cocktail bar kind of places they get. Yeah. But, but we generally, outside of our little bubble, you know, nine, 10% of the industry, People are just smashing back pints of lager. They don't care what's in the glass. So, so yeah, it's nice to make that a part yeah. of the reason for being there. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, again, just going back to what happened during um, lockdown and all the rest of it, and I hope you don't mind talking about this a little bit, mm. but you said that um, Fravinol died. Yeah. Um, I mean, how, how did that have an impact on your business? Um, we, it was a massive culmination of, of, of factors. So I, I mentioned that I was, well, I know I had COVID just before uh, Beerex. So uh, we'd literally, we packed the car, um, we're, in, we're in ready to go, and I realised that about three days before I'd left. In fact, I remember, because yeah. I remember saying, oh, you're going to be there, and yeah, you're yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah, no, yeah, I'm not yeah. coming. Yeah, which was because super last COVID. minute. Yeah, yeah. So I'd left a pair of sunglasses at a pub around the corner. It's a really weird way to start a story, but bear with me for a second. Um, so we went around to get them, and I said to Naomi, like, I, I don't want to get out of the car, can, can you just pop in and grab them? And that, we were fully loaded up, ready to do the drive up to Liverpool. Um, she went in, they were there, fantastic, got my sunglasses back. But by the time that she'd gone in, collected them and come back, I'd been reflecting and I said, there's no way I can go up. Like, I don't know what this is. It was super early. Mm. Like, we didn't, we, like, the, the, it's muddied in my mind now exactly what the timelines were, but I think we were pretty much, we just moved beyond like the hilarious elbow bumps thing to start <laughs> thinking it was a yeah. bit more serious. Like there were some doubts about whether BRX would go ahead or not. And then they sort of, it did, and, and it's fine. But um, no, I just like, this is silly, I can't go. And I went back home and, and that was three or four days ill. And uh, basically about 11 days after that, um, it's a weird time to say it when people walk through. But uh, about 11 days after that, Naomi's dad was admitted to hospital. Right. And um, we don't know if he got it from us. He, he did, he did have cancer. He, he, we didn't know how serious it was. Yeah. We actually found out after the event that um, he was going to be recommended for palliative, so he probably had a year. Yep. Um, so we don't know if he got it from us or, or someone else, because he was still getting on the train, he was still travelling around by bus, he was exposed a lot. But basically, yeah, 10 days after Brulon, he was in hospital, and, and four days after that, he died. So, Sorry so, to hear that. Uh, it, 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 I won't say we've, it, it's in the past, it's not. We think about it every, every day, but it's obviously not as raw now as it, as it was 18 months ago. But um, all I said, so I drove, when we found out he'd been admitted to hospital, um, I, we, the bar was closed, we were doing the deliveries at that point, uh, I think, I can't remember exactly. But I just phoned Jason and Naomi and said, I'm picking you both up and taking you back to your mum, which is in Harrow in North West right. London, and I just left them there. Um, and then I went back to my empty shop to, to think about what the fuck I was going to do now in a closed shop with no support. 
and that, that's how it all started. That's oh, mate, you know, I mean, this is the hard thing about, I guess, the whole thing, you know, and um, that there are casualties on every side. You've, we're talking about, obviously, the bottle shop side and businesses like self that are struggling, you know, particularly, like, with, you know, like now, with breweries selling online direct to consumer and so on, and, but then breweries are like, well, we need to make ends meet, and yeah. Yeah. the whole thing is just... Really, it's been tough, and, and I don't think we're really even beginning to see the true fallout of it. You know, if furlough comes to an end this month, I think a lot, a lot more businesses are going to realise uh, and go. And I think obviously everyone's going to try and hang on for Christmas. I think it'll be January to March, April next year that we really understand the impact that this has had on us. Um, but, but yeah, look, we're competing in a tough, tough, tough market, mm. and um, that's that's to try and bring me back to my rambling. Uh, point like that is why I think we need to be working together and, and not, not you know again where craft beer is what eight nine percent of the market it was slightly higher yeah um, reason it was slightly higher is that was before the likes of, of Heineken and AB started buying craft brands and telling the world it's craft beer and, and us who were you know we I know what is craft we could talk forever but us who consider ourselves craft producers uh, or sellers we want to be working to, together as best we can to expand that reach rather than attacking each other for the scraps of what we have. I remember, um, I can't, oh, who was it? I think it was, there's a brewery in Sheffield called Little Critters. And um, yeah. I went to them to just, just pop my head in. And I remember talking to the brewer there, talking about, um, you know, selling beer and cast beer and all the rest of it. And I think this is back when I worked at Sheffield Brewery Company, so we were in a similar boat. And he talks about um, it's like crabs in a bucket, you know, and like you get a tiny scrap in there and they're all fighting. Yeah. And I've heard Pete Brown, the beer writer, talk about yeah. it before, where it's like, if you imagine a pie chart, you've got slightly over half of the pie chart, which is um, off sales, um, so places like yourself, etc. Then you've got a quarter of that pie, which is um, pub codes and so on, Another, and a, a smaller slice which is three ounces, and then the rest of it is like theatres and other yeah. licensed venues that aren't pubs. Mm. And it was like, and then he broke it down. It was like craft brewers in this country all chasing this tiny little part uh, segment of yeah. this pie. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I guess just on the back of that. Um, and I guess in some ways this is COVID aside, like, as a bottle shop for a, a brewer like myself, let's say the beers that you got in front of you of mine, yeah. I was like, like oh, hey Dave, do you want to stock these? Right? Like, you must get pre-COVID at least, I know you said earlier that you're not, you're not getting quite as many, but like, you must get loads of people approaching you. We do. Um... And like, how do you decide what you're stuck what was it like in the very early days it was me approaching everyone um yeah. obviously get, getting onto some wholesale lists but then going to individual breweries and, and some of them obviously at the time said, said no we're, we're full kind of thing mm. and that's almost entirely now reversed and, and all of those guys who were kind of saying no at the beginning uh, we either stock or have asked us to kind of stop them yeah. as, as things change around but but you know it tends to be if i've heard of the brewery it, it's good but it doesn't mean that i won't deal with someone that i've never heard of at all mm. like we so, so we try and champion as much of the smaller breweries as we can, whilst being mindful of the fact that what our website gets the clicks through is the hype. So yeah, we've got like Verdant, we've got Dea, we do some of the US import stuff, but we've also got uh, Dolphin Brew Co, the Brewing Co, for example, who are uh, a couple in Reading who brew on, I 
think it's a 50 litre, Andy, if I'm, if I'm wrong. Apologies. Oh, mate, I'm, I'm bigger than yeah, they yeah, are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. It, might, it might be slightly more. I can't exactly remember. <laughs> but it's one beer at a time. We get one release every few months, and we're yeah. one of three shops that sells it uh, because they approached us a while ago, and it's fantastic beer, so, yeah. so we sell it. And we love doing stuff like that. Uh, it's just got to be balanced against we, we have to have data, yeah. um, you know, because that's what gets the web clicks. So <laughs> I try and do things like we'll, we'll do a bespoke beer box, and we're going to launch subscriptions finally very soon as well and that's when like yeah you, you come to the website because day is on it but but have this thing from from dolphin or, or whoever else and, and, and doing well, again quick quick full circle back to what you were saying earlier that's the beauty of a bottle shop exactly. isn't it the amount of breweries i've discovered from going to my local bottle shop where the person behind the bar will be like oh have you heard of these guys yeah. i'm like no you know and like oh mate you should try this you know, and I'll yeah. buy it based on their recommendation. Exactly. I'll take it home. Like, That's spot on, mate. So there, yeah. I think a brewery that's done it very, very well recently would be Beak, right? Down, yes. in, down in Sussex, yep. like they almost they, they just approached all the bottle shops and a few beer writers and reviewers and whatever, and the reviews started coming in for Parade, just probably just over a year ago. And it's like, oh, this sounds really good. We should get this in, and like almost entirely through the growth of uh, organic growth but via beer shops like they're everyone's kind of underdog for, for best brewery in the country I think mm. at the moment like they've come yep. from nowhere um, and like Dana Dan was brewing with a few people before like uh, I always forget if it's Burnt Mill or Burning Sky I don't know if you can remember one of them I don't know but he was he was gypsying there and then and then set up his own kit and they've come from seemingly nowhere but it, it's like it's the tap rooms the bottle shops that have pushed that and got that out to the world and yeah there's, there's like the big guys like someone like Daya they would be absolutely fine, I think, to only ship to their direct customers because yeah. they're big enough. And certainly in, in Manchester Cloudwater, they've got enough direct customers and, and that's fantastic for them. But all of the smaller guys, they, they don't have that. But, you know, it, it comes back to the whole marketing thing, isn't it? And what you said earlier, like, um, and again, because, because this is what I do for a living, I, I help breweries market their beers and stuff. There is so much work involved. Yeah. You know, this, there's so much work involved running a weekly mail out for a business. And I, I do, <laughs> multiple That's what weekly mail once there's two in a week and then none for a fortnight <laughs> Mate, the time to do it's it. you know and like and then throwing social media and the strategies and all the yeah. rest of it on top of that like um, you know it's, it's hard work so it's and I think that breweries have always had this mentality and it was like it before Covid with trade customers and now yeah. it's like it with public, you know, direct-to-consumer customers, this um, Field of Dreams mentality, if you build it, they will come. It's like, no, they won't come. No, no one will know it's there. No one will know it's there, yeah, exactly. Like, like, sales is selling the good, but marketing is getting into the shop in the first place. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it it takes so much effort to, to market and so much, I can't think of the word, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just tiring. It's energy. It's yeah. however you want to say. It, it, yeah. It's, yeah. I, I can do it. Like, so my, my day job, IT consultant. I, I talk shit about computers, and I've transferred that to the beer industry. So I can talk far too much about nearly any subject, but it's tiring. I get done. Like, we'll host an online beer event or, or an in-person now, which we're getting to do again, beer tasting, and it's great. I enjoy it. But after three hours, I'm absolutely exhausted. Yeah. And, and for that to be, as well as all the other jobs you're doing, you just need to find that big energy and do that for four or five hours as well. It, it, it really starts to grind you down after a while. Mm. It, you need find you need time away from it. Which, yeah. if that's your whole, if that's your whole way to market, you're never going to get. It, yeah, it's knackering. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you want another beer? Yeah, we could do. Cool. 
we've got an I I, we've rules. got an IPA of some description. It, it's green, so it's going to be New England. It's got yeah. a little bit of a green nose to it. I'm getting. I reckon there's a shitload of mosaic in this. There's almost like a grape. I, I oh, it could, be, it could be so big Nelson so then. Yeah. yeah, it could be. Do you know what hops are in this? Do you yeah. know what hops are in this? No, what, what hops? hops? What, what, what right is? Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah, good call. Yeah. Good call. Uh, so yeah, no, Nelson, as soon as you said no, uh, Nelson Sovan, it's like, of yeah, course it's, it's Nelson Sovan. Big time. I, um, I still think there might be mosaic in it. I was, it might just be Nelson. I was on this Utopian beer tasting the other day. Mm. They've just released this um, Harvest beer and um, Melissa Cole was on it. And um, she started talking about all the phenols and all this other stuff. And I was just like, like, I like to think that I know a lot about beer and flavour and stuff, but I was just like, you are all of a level. And then some of the people started coming out with some of the stuff. I'm just like, I felt so small. Yeah. I'm like, I know nothing. I'm yeah. using the word chewy. Yeah. <laughs> Kiss me, boy. <laughs> it's just practice, though, isn't it? Like, yeah, they've yeah. been doing it for so long. Obviously, Melissa is a wizard. She's brilliant. She's been doing it so much longer. Yeah. It's like, well, I, just, I do like how to. A little mini courses on how to drink beer like right. a beer judge and the main thing is just like practice the lexicon because it only mm. comes with practice and like so we always put a flavor wheel in front of people and it's like yeah at the beginning say fruity like, let, now let's work towards it's mandarins or it's melon or yeah. it's whatever it's grape skin very obviously yeah. once it's pointed out to me um, but yeah, just start somewhere and don't be ashamed of saying yeah, something. Totally. And the other thing is like, if you can taste it, you're right. And try and get that yeah. into people as well. Because yeah. So are you doing many like in-person events now? Yeah, we um, ish. We need to do more of them. We've done one one evening so far, which um, which is really cool. It's like two two days of the bar's tiny. That's so two times fourteen people basically. Right. Um, fourteen per night. Uh, it's just like a general, uh, we called it beer school. So I did like a talk of grain to glass. So I did like, a, this is how you judge the thing. And then we went through flavors that can be derived from malt and from hops and from yeast. Uh, and talked a little bit of water as well. Mm. And um, yeah, so it just went through all that stuff. So there was stouts, there were sours, there were lagers, there were IPAs, both West and East Coast. And take people through all that. Yeah. And what Naomi's absolutely great at is um, doing the food matching. Right. That's her thing. So like for every style of beer, like when we're, when we're on the, we're talking about malt. So we had, I think we had a bitter, a stout, and a lager, just to talk about malt derived flavour. And, and she had like little snacks to go with all three, and yeah, she's great at that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's um, you know, I, I love those kind of beer schools because I think as if you're into beer, and I'm sure most people that's top forward are because it's an industry focused podcast. Yeah. But it's so easy to be in that bubble and think everyone knows what you're talking about and think everyone's a sort of certain type of personality. Yeah. Um, and when I came out of track, for anyone that doesn't know, uh, Cloudwater Brew Co is pretty much next to track on the yeah. same little industrial uh, estate. Are they the other side of the road? Or the... So I've not actually been. Yeah, it's literally the other side of the road. Just yeah. it's, it's about 200 yards. No, we'll be there and then later on. This, this old couple, and I'm talking like, they must have been in there like, mid 70s this old couple were walking towards cloud water and i'm like surely they're never going to go in cloud water and they did <laughs> i was like i love it yeah. i love that it's not just like hipsters with big beards and stuff yeah um who are going to um to places like but that yeah, that's exactly what we needed not to be mm. so that's sort of you know, that's sort of like the biggest issue i'm very sure about this the biggest issue that we've got in beer is taps it's just let's just get craft beer in yeah. more pubs because yeah we love this kind of space 
a lot of people love the traditional pub, the, the, the manky carpet from 30 years ago and stains and, and, and all of the rest of it. And we need to be working to get beer, good beer, rather than just the big conglomerate shite available yeah. to, to them, you know? I remember moving into a house in uh, 2005 that had a carpet in the living room. It was like a pub carpet that I was made up. <laughs> I was so happy. I was like, it's like being in my local pub. Just around the corner as well, there was a, an old pub. It was a, used to be a wards pub that um, was derelict. And I, I said to my mate, Russell, who I lived with at the time, oh, imagine if that was a real ale pub. Wouldn't it be amazing? And then we moved out and then like the following year, it got turned into a real ale pub. <laughs> I was so good. It's like, why did I move to the other side of the city? Yeah. Like this, it, they changed it. You're, you're very blessed with real ale pubs in Sheffield. Oh, mate, it's amazing. Yeah. It's so good. Um, Something I did want to touch upon, actually, from your article. I'm just going to yeah. find it. because um, I, I kind of feel like I need to reference it. Um, Arctic Monkeys, come on, just to talk about Sheffield. And th- I think this is the thing that actually spoke to me the most, actually. Um, and I, I do feel like I need to read it out okay. just to put it in its context. So it's, um, it's this bit. I'm just going to read it out just for the benefit of the tape. It says, a consequence of, of that, that being the rest of what you've said so far, go and listen to it, the links in the show notes. It says, a consequence is that I spend a lot of time thinking to myself, what do I want to do now? But even more so, what do I think my customers want me to say? I'm not alone in this, a huge swathe of hospitality businesses are, are treading a difficult path of working out how to vocalise their stance yeah. without um, ostracising or polarising their customers. You really can't win, it's just such an infamous subject. We've all suffered, we're all quick to anger, especially if we feel that our struggles are undermined, not yeah. heard, whitewashed, that we should get over it. And then this is that classic picture, isn't there, of the dog sat and drinking his <laughs> coffee with the flames, being like, this is fine. Yeah. And then you go on to say, within hospitality, I believe that as a result of a fear of saying the wrong thing or dividing our customers, far too many of us are saying nothing. Yeah. The silence generates the most uncertainty of all. I'd love for you to unpack that, because I know it's, I've talked to my wife about certain things and issues where yeah. it's kind of like, I think certain things that are slightly different from the norm, but if I say them, like the, the you know, the, the blogger, uh, mafia are going to come after me yeah. and I'm going to get taken down on Twitter by it's, someone with a you know, a, a kind of yeah, steady it, rolling it's, man it's or a, something. It's a difficult one, um, obviously. It's why none of us really know what, what to do with it. The first thing we, we try and do as a bar, it, you know, within reason, clearly there are opinions that are, are just unacceptable. And, and, yeah, totally. You know, but, but with, with you know, that aside, if someone has an opinion, they've got a right to voice it. If they feel a certain way, they've got a right to explain why they feel that way, or not if they if they don't want to explain why they feel that way. Mm. And and there you know there are a lot of people, and I think fundamentally, I probably blame social media for this, who have gotten to the point that they basically can't be bothered to have a uh, discussion, so they just shout and move on with their lives. I think a big part of it is. You're, you're on you're on your phone. You're going through Facebook or Twitter, mm. um, and this and comes back to what you said about drinking alone. Yeah, on that blog, especially yeah. Uh, yeah I mean, phone. definitely, certainly, if you're intoxicated, it's going to be even more exacerbated yeah. by that. <laughs> Five but, imperial. But you scroll here. through, and Twitter's the yeah. absolute worst for it. But Facebook's not much better. Yep. You're now used to interacting with any given subject for like five seconds at a time. Yep. So when someone tries to pin you down and make you explain long form why you feel the way you do, you just get angry. And I think a lot of it is we've we've lost the attention span to actually explain our perspective. So it's just like, oh, fuck off. 
It's, it doesn't help anyone. So like, what we try and do at the bar is allow people to have a, com- a conversation, however, however they are. And like, like obviously, where I, I say obvious, it's not, it's not, sadly, it's not true in enough places at all. But we're completely inclusive. Um, there are very, very liberal people. There are very, very conservative people because it's Windsor. Um, and there's more of them, in fact. Yep. But it's making sure that the, the conservative people, the liberal people, the, 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 the black, the gay, the trans people, the women that come in by themselves, and, and we're quite proud to have quite a lot of single female customers that will come in, you, you, you don't feel, like, judged or infringed upon. You can just have a chat with whoever. And, and that, you know, we, we work really hard to try and do. Um, but, of course, if you try out especially on social media if you try out any of these opinions like you're not sure how you feel you just ask for room you just get attacked mm. everywhere because it's always an open forum and uh, it, it's really i don't know if i'm exactly answering the question but no 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 I, th- I, th- I think you are I, I think it's a really good thing the, the way it applies applies to our business uh, like most directly is, is what was our covid policy i guess and mm. uh, it's just how how do we want to get through it and uh, quite early on i thought you know, we're quite fortunate that we're a family-run business. There's the three of us. We're all related to each other. Um, so if I, as um, uh, the decision-maker of, of the operation of the business, say, I want all of our staff back in now, I, I can make that choice because we, the three of us, have all agreed it. It's a little bit different to, for example, Tim Martin making the choice about the safety of all of his employees in terms of three degrees of separation and responsibility and does he actually give a shit. So like, I see a lot of beer writers that are basically, and a lot of liberal people and a lot of everyone, you're either scared or whatever, very, very aggressively anti-reopening way back a couple of months ago. Yep. And our perspective was, my business is gonna fail if I don't reopen. So I'm 100% on board with reopening now and there being no restrictions because in Windsor, people don't want any restrictions because they're all conservatives yeah. at a certain age and whatever. So it's like, we're making the choice to operate in that way and I'm really cool with that. But I can't say it loudly online. It works for me. It doesn't work for many other bars and many other people. Um, but, but look, you know, we first-hand experience of the risk of COVID, as we talked about earlier. Mm. My, my father-in-law died from it. But, but we as a, a threesome can decide that what we want to do is be back in a full bar surrounded by people having a good time. Yep. Because firstly, that's why we got into beer. And secondly, if we don't do that, it's going to fail. So we kind of have to. Yep. But, but yeah, we're not, we're not impacting anyone else by making that decision. Like we're not forcing staff members to feel uncomfortable, which a lot, a lot of places are. Um, it, it's a weird one. But, but basically, whatever your opinion is, be prepared to to have a conversation about it rather than just shout? I, I guess this is the thing. And I, I'm, I'm more of a centrist, mm. um, politically speaking. Yeah. So I can see things often from both sides. Yeah, I think probably and, the same here. And it's... Um, and I, I often feel like in beer, there's, you know, the, the, it's more sort of... Um, it's more left-wing, definitely, yeah. than right-wing. And it's kind of like, if I stick my neck out... And not, not that I'm saying I would ever say anything that's really right wing, so I wouldn't. Yeah. But even but if I'm in the centre and I and I even if I slightly kind of say, oh, I, I see that that right wing person might have a point. All of a sudden, even though I'm in the centre and I don't agree with the right wing, I've, and I've and had it out. Um, so all of a sudden, I'm like, well, you're right wing. Yeah, 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 exactly. And it's what I mean. and it's and it's it's like when did and again this goes back to what you were saying earlier about. The pub should be a place where we can sit down and talk about politics, religion, yeah. Yeah. and everything in between, yeah. Yeah. and agree to disagree. 
and for it to be fine. Coming back to my ideas, you know, like there have been times where I've been accused of trying to force religion down people's throats. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm not trying to force religion down people's yeah, throats. You're just showing uh, your views exactly. publicly. And I believe what I believe, and, and you might not agree with some of it, but at the end of the day, I don't agree with some of what exactly and that's fine and, and that's totally yeah that's totally and that's fine. the key point that's fine it's not like you have a slightly different opinion to me on on, on this brewery or this religion or, or whatever it is therefore fuck off forever but like there are other certain pubs where you go in and you're not a regular and the whole pub turns around and yeah, stares right. you out <laughs> record stops that's what we, you know, <laughs> we try incredibly <laughs> hard to avoid happening we're actually talking about it last night again Naomi right. and I about, it's a bit cliquey like there was only about it was really quiet last night about 12 of us in the bar and a couple come in and yeah there's four or five heads go around it's like we're not thinking, who are you in our... Like, this is a local yeah. shop. It's, it's not what we're... The local people. We're just like, fuck, an actual customer. Like, stand, you know, like, red alert, let's no, do this. Go, all systems, go! <laughs> but, yeah, it, it's just just be nice. Like, in two words, as simple as that. Just just be nice. And yeah. We're, we're very harsh on each other at the moment. No, but I, th- I think, um, you know, I think we have to be. And I, I think, that, again, going back to the couple that were going in, Cloudwater earlier who were in the mid 70s. Yeah. Like, you know, no, no one should feel excluded. Yeah. And I know there are certain um, certain voices out there talking about, um, you know, inclusion and all the rest of it, which is which I think is amazing because I think, um, well, you know, we, we need to make sure all our spaces are inclusive. Yeah. But I don't think it can be, at, and I might get shut down for this, it can't be at the detriment of people who hold different opinions to us because no. then we become hypocritical because we're not being inclusive of people who hold our no, different you're, opinions you're, yeah. but as long as they're not being dickheads yeah that's the key thing and that's the so key thing we, we, like we have you, to moderate that uh, obviously if someone is just being homophobe we'll attempt to F off of course we will um, that, absolutely but, but if someone has a slightly different opinion we encourage them to talk about it we've got a few like They'll call themselves libertarians, but there's one guy in particular who's absolute COVID denier, mask denier, and like we stopped him doing it because he's, he's on all other subjects. He seems quite rational, but someone will come in wearing a face mask still, and he'll be like, "Take that nappy off your face!" Oh, like, shut up, mate! You can't, you can't be talking to people like that. And it, I mean, it turns out he's got. A, it's really interesting because it turned it on its head for me the way I thought about this guy because I just think you're just a bit of a knob. Like you just want. You just you just want to refuse everything, and you're being unpleasant to people about it. But it, it turns out he's South African, and he grew up during apartheid. And what's made him loathe government and therefore question literally everything that our government tells him to do is that when he was trying to go out for drinks with a work colleague when he just started his career, mm. he didn't see colour. So he said, "Oh, we're going to go to this bar." And, and his work colleague said, I can't go to that bar, it's not for me, I can only go to these three bars. And from that point on, he just said, fuck authority. I don't, I'm not just gonna do what they tell me to do, this is wrong. And it, it turned it on its head. It, it, it took it from me thinking that the guy was an idiot to thinking, oh, I really respect that. Like, on masks, you're clearly wrong. But I really respect how you've come to these views that you now hold. And yeah. if we'd never had that conversation, I'd have just said, fuck off, bigot. But now I think I really respect the guy. But th- this is the thing, like, people are fighting battles that like, you know nothing of often mm. and and people have have forged their perspectives over the years of going through all kinds of shit yeah. and all the rest of it. And you know, how can any of us write off what someone thinks or how someone is based upon a short interaction with yeah, them. You know, it's it's really just, just don't be so quick to jump at people. Yeah, just, just listen. Yeah. Judge you know. people, you know, it's um 
Yeah, and I think it's interesting because it's like a lot of these conversations come up when it comes to beer, and on one level, yeah, it's just a liquid in a glass of like water, cereals, yeah. um, yeast, and hops, and. You know, if you're into milkshake IPAs, a shitload of lactose. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> or uh, sour beers, you know, every fruit under the sun. But, um, you know, I, th- I think the reason this gets talked about so much in the world of beer is because of, of what's happening now. There's yeah. me and you sat here talking, you know, chewing the cud. There's all these people out here, you know, whether on this brewery tour, those tables, talking about politics and yeah. Boris and all the rest of it. Or if you're in America, Biden. Um, <laughs> you know, and this is the place to do it. And it, it would be so good if we could just, like, chill the fuck out. Yeah. And talk about these things like sensible adults and human beings. Yeah, and that, that, that's all I think. Over a beer. Yeah. Yeah, just make pubs better spaces to do that uh, and make there be more pubs yeah. that exist where you can do that. Um, yeah. So as, as a, because um, obviously you're not like a full-on pub, but you do have that element. Yes. What do we call it? A, 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 a tap bar? A sure. Bottle, bottle room. Um, <laughs> so like how, how you and Naomi approached it when you come to um, dealing with some of the more saving members of the community that might have certain opinions and stuff? There, there, there are limits. I mean... Gen- generally, we'll, we'll, uh, everyone's a moderator. Like every, everyone in the bar industry has, has to, to moderate these arguments. I'll say arguments, but <laughs> in the they're left not, corner. Exactly. <laughs> they're not always. They're not always battles. They're not always heated arguments. Let's call them discussions. But we have to. You know, we have to be a moderator. We have to be a therapist at times. It's just something that someone behind the bar has to do because mm. everyone has an opinion. And once you've had a few drinks, it becomes a lot more forthcoming, as, as we all know. <laughs> no, um, that doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> but generally, we've never had any real problems. Like, in, in two years, granted, some of them we've been... Well, a lot of the months of those two years we've been closed to the public with lockdowns, but um, we've had to kick out a handful of people. Uh, generally speaking, we've, we've sorted these things out, and it's just like trying to help someone see the other side of it or trying to remind someone that you can have that chat without it escalating. Mm. Um, and usually, usually it's OK. And same, same thing online. Most of the time the same thing applies like you can have that conversation where you completely disagree with the other person with, without it escalating um, potentially the aspect of the keyboard makes it more likely to be escalate, escalated because you're not face to face with the other person but, but gen, you know, generally speaking that's, that's what we try and do and, and my interactions with the beer groups normally um, I'm, I'm human and I've, I've, I've kicked off once or twice but I try and avoid it it's the same thing again it's just like understand why they disagree with me rather than just mm. swear at them because they disagree with me and, uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's it. Right? Just just try and help people to, to talk. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, I think moderators a uh, a good word and a, a good example. I, c- I can totally see that. You know, <laughs> not that anyone would want to moderate the biggest craft beer groups. Yeah, but you know. <laughs> Yeah, I, I am the mod of a smaller one, and that's more than enough. The, the two big ones, yeah, well, well done to them, generally. Um, yeah, that's a whole other podcast, I think. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> nice, nice. What, what are you making of the beer? I like it. Um, there's definitely sort of wheat and stuff going on in there as well. It mm. is not, it's not just the hops. Um, it does drink well. It's potentially very, very slightly thin if it's a seven point but very slightly. Yeah. I guess that's another way of saying it hides its strength really well. Um, I think it would be too dangerous to drink 
the point of like it would happen very quickly. Yes, well, my glass is empty. Well, there you I'm, go. I'm glad I went for a half. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I think they said a 7.1. Right. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, punch, it's punchy, it's very drinkable. But, uh, yeah, it's a great bit. Yeah, it's a nice bit. I, I can't work out. If there's more. Have you picked up more hops than Nelson Sovan that you so expertly? No. There's <laughs> a lot of it. There's a lot of it. So I got that slightly green nose initially, and I often, like, I think it's the verdant putty effect. I often just think green is mosaic, and it actually right. blinded me for a few seconds to the beer. But uh, yeah, I, I'll be honest. I don't know enough about ABC. I don't know how many years they've been here. I don't know if you know no, any more. Not really. I mean, but, I've, uh, I've, I've, I've visited, as I said earlier, I've visited Manchester Union and being in Vaux, which are on the same little strip um, before often walk past it um, yeah. and I've you know it's that, that horse that's amazing is it a horse it looks I like kind of looks a like a horse you know uniform it's a bit, bit bojacky isn't it yeah it kind of looks like he's fighting in Vietnam or something <laughs> whilst looking, drinking a beer yeah, there's, there's explosions happening around him yeah and he's firing a gun he is. We'll stick a picture up, maybe, of, uh, totally of a horse with some sort. Is it a gun? Yeah, it's definitely a gun. Yeah, but, he is um, like a VC horse, isn't he? Yeah. That is what's happening. But, it's um, weird. We don't know why it's happening. No. But, um, <laughs> yeah, but I, I've never had the beers before. I really enjoyed them. I it's just, the smoke pour, I think. I think I did as well. That was wonderful. Um, this is, I'll say just good, but that's a big compliment. Yeah. Um, but, but, yeah. Yeah, because what I mean, what I don't I'd be interested in your take on this, actually. Um, I've been thinking a lot recently about uh, malt forward beers. Yes. And how everything seems to be hops. Hops are the star of the show. You know, hops are the thing I get to mention. And the minute that there's a brown beer or whatever it is, you know, it's just kind of like, you know, they don't get as much press time. No, they definitely don't. There's two, <clears throat> two beer styles that get a massive attention at the minute. It's basically New England dippers and tippers or Imperial styles, right? Like everything else is kind of yeah. cast aside to an extent. And um, I, I mentioned earlier we're, we're, we're camera members. So I, I like all the beers in between, uh, especially like, you know, something like the Cast Mild. You can see very, very little of down south. There's a wonderful beer style. I'll caveat that and say, if it's diacetyl free, because yeah. I absolutely hate diacetyl. Yeah. It does pop up in quite a lot of miles. But if that's free of that, then it's, it's a wonderful bit. Yeah, we only talk about the big king stuff. And, and again, it's what what we have to try and do at the Hoppy Place is blend that. And like, okay, you've come in for the 8% Nipah, but try this lager or try this Belgian ale. We've got like a full fridge of German lagers and wheats and a full fridge of Belgians. Like, I'm talking about multiple beers. Yeah, they're very subtle. I th- at the moment, I'm going through a proper proper lager renaissance. Oh, mate. I mate. mean, this is like, I'm, I'm pretty much last night, apart from the Imperial Stout that I had to top it off, I just drank uh, lagers. I had yeah. a, a Fest beer from uh, Samasa Desert. I had a Maibok from Utopian. Nice. And, um, you know, just re- really nice beers. And it's, because uh, I, get, I get sent a lot of beer from different breweries. Yeah. And like, if a box turns up and it's all hazy IPAs, my heart sinks a little bit. And I'm really thankful. Don't get me wrong. I'm really thankful. I'm in a massively privileged position. <laughs> First world problem I'll right here. Oh no, more free beer. But it's, yeah, exactly. You know, but if it's like, a, if it's just a box full of hazy IPAs, it's like, I am really thankful that you took the time to send this. But what I really want to see is a diverse range of styles. Take note, listeners. Um, because, like, you know, the thing I go, I'm finding that I'm going to more and more are lagers, stouts, porters, yeah. bitters even. Yeah. I had an amazing bitter at track. It was like 3.2%. Oh, I not remember what it was called. I'll Absolutely be on that later then. Absolutely, cast beer. I, I'd gone for um, Simona 
after reading about it in Matt Kurtz's book. Yeah, Sonoma is um, amazing. But... And I, I, I was like, I have a pint of Simone, and they were like, I've only got it on keg, is that all right? I was like, oh. yes. Yeah. You broke my heart. Yeah, but um, nice. I had it on keg, and it was brilliant. But I was like, I really want a cast beer, and, and one of the ones I had was this 3.2% bitter. It was amazing. Okay. So, so nice, you know, um, for such a small beer. Yeah. A good bitter, I'm really, really pleasing about good bitters. It always starts with that malt, and you get all the malt, yeah. and then it sort of develops through the sort of mid palate onto the finish, and the hops then come through. Whether it's like a, a noble hop, it's dry, it's spicy, or it's an English, it's flowery, or whatever it is, or even like American, like um, yeah, an American hopped bitter, something it comes super fruity. Yeah. So you get that sweet biscuit thing through to like a bitter fruity finish. And yeah. The best bitters. Not best bitters as a category, you know what I mean. The best bitters. Yeah. Yeah, a wonderful experience. They're really complex. Well, you know, I think, I mean, there's such yeast-driven beers as well. You know, when you get a yeast strain, I mean, this is what makes beers like, you know, Timothy Taylor's Landlord. Again, I might get lynched for being a fan <laughs> of Timothy Taylor's. You know, I, I go well with those guys. Um, but, you know, like, it's... Or, or just just put them aside, like Acorn um, Barnes of Bitter. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's the yeast that really makes those beers shine and um, drink, brings out a sort of ready <laughs> yeah. ye- yeastiness. Thought, yeah. <laughs> um, how surprising, you know. But, um, yeah, cool. you know, it's... It, but I, I, I love them. Subtlety. I, yeah, it's subtlety. And this is, again, coming back to St. Mars the Desert, one of the things I love about their beers, and like I say, you'll have to come when you're in Sheffield, I'll, I'll tell you that. Like, their beers, they're subtle. There's nothing there that's like a, being hit in the face by a wet kipper. Mm. Like, they're all really subtle, and there's nothing out of balance with them. And you could sit for hours in that tap room and drink those beers. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think it takes real skill as a brewer to produce beers that are like that. Yeah, no, yeah, completely. Yeah. But we've we've been through that craft beer kind of. I don't know if you've seen the picture that's been going around at the craft beer journey. Right, the, 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 oh, the very beginning the evolution is, of the yeah, yeah, yeah. evolution of the craft beer drinker, which on the, the far left hand side of the image is is an ape of sorts, and then it works as well up to the Neanderthalic man, and it's sort of lager, and then pale ale, and then IPA, and then stouts. And then sours, and at this point he's got tools. He's got like a, a spear and a shield or whatever. And at the very end is your guy in a business suit, and it's lager again. Yep, I've it's, seen like, that. <laughs> it's so funny. Which is kind of true. It's where we've been, and it's just actually now that sort of hopefully our palate's developed a bit, and, and I can appreciate more of the nuance mm. of beer. Like strip it back to basics and actually realise all the things that I wasn't considering at all yeah. when I started on this. Mm. Yeah. So just, just I guess as we, we come to the end of the, the podcast um, this week, do, uh, I guess I'd love to just pick your brains about two things. Mm. Um, the first being, and I'm sure we'll get plenty of discussion out of this, is, um, so you mentioned about getting like beer samples and stuff and hazy yes. IPAs and all the rest of it. Like, so just from a, a bottle shop point of view, just for brewers out there, because obviously we're talking about, um, you know, breweries supporting their independent bottle shops. Yeah. What are bottle shops really after? Okay. Um... So, branding is a thing, for starters. I, I, I kind of wish it was slightly less of a thing than, than it is, but um, the can, almost predominantly always a can, unless it's you know a Belgian or a sour, uh, the can needs to look good, because we need, what well, you know, we do sometimes, we'll go forward into the shop and we'll, we'll intercept a customer and we'll ask them what they want and we'll start to push beers. And at that point, it's all about what, what's in the can, clearly. Uh, but before that, what 90% of people do is just look and pick up the prettiest label. Oh, absolutely. So, so that is a thing. I think most craft breweries are very, very switched on to this now. Yeah. 
but then it's just what's like so if you're approaching us first of all don't just add me to a mailing list without asking it's kind of it's quite annoying <laughs> GDPR yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's both it's both illegal and quite annoying um, like at this point if we've seen someone review a beer uh, a fantastic uh, slight sidebar but fantastic example uh, of marketing done perfectly I think by a brewery it's a brewery that have been around for a number of years we've talked about them already Utopian Oh, where Ruth came yeah. on board there and all of a sudden basically every bottle shop and beer writer and podcaster suddenly received a box of beers oh yes and I know like, I remember yes, it well I do love receiving free beer when it's good the risk is you need to be very confident in your product if you're sending your beer to every prominent beer writer in the country and it's not amazing you're in for a world of pain but, but they had faith in, in that beer and it, they just appeared out of nowhere oh it was just executed so well I remember yeah. um, getting an email from Ruth out of the blue saying oh we'll listen to your podcast and so on we'd have seen some beers and it was the first like box of beers I'd, anyone had ever sent so I was like oh, I've made it yeah. <laughs> you know? and then this box are right, actually right because the amount of people that would say oh I've sent you a box of beers I'm like great and then they don't turn up it's like oh, yeah, okay. yeah, 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 but they actually arrived and then when I tried them I was just like these are great yeah yeah, they were. I mean, I, I think I've seen a few people talk about it by the time I got to mine, yeah. but the, the, the Rainbok, the Mybok, is absolutely sensational. I had that again. Um, for, yeah, good beer. for a lot of fun. We've ordered a whole bunch of it. We need to get them. But, but yeah, but so, so, yeah, send samples. If, if I've never heard of you, I'm not just because I've been added to an email without my permission going to suddenly order something. Like, what's going to happen is you're going to get unsubscribed, or if there's not an unsubscribe button, I'm just going to block you. Hence why I brought my samples. Absolutely right. Because <laughs> we, 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 get, we get too much of that. Now, if it's a brewery I know very well, I will never... I know, well, actually, full stop, I never expect a sample. But if you're totally out of the blue, I've never heard of you, I don't know your track record, I'm not going to buy cases of your beer without trying. Simple as that. So, approach us, say, you know, You've never heard of us, but this is why we like doing what we do and we want to prove it. That's kind of the way to go. And the product has to stand up for itself, simple yeah. as that. If it's a good beer, I'll sell it. But I need to know that I can talk about that beer to my customers. That's the thing, isn't it? It's a hand and heart experience. Yeah. And this is, this is why if I brew a beer that's subpar, like, I don't like to put it out there yeah. as much as possible. There is always a little balance. Like, if it's, you know, if, if it's like, maybe not what I expected but it's still a good beer then okay fair enough I'll just have to re-pitch it in my mind how I was going to talk about a beer but if it's, there are some beers that I've brewed where I'm just like this just you know I don't think this cuts the mustard therefore I'll just drink this myself yeah. Yeah. and I, I, I've got the luxury of money like one US brewer's barrel you know 117 litres it's no skin up my nose if I have to drink that much well actually I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't <laughs> I'll get a keg and the rest of it goes on the drain yeah. but um yeah you know it's different if you like you know anything above that onwards oh, yeah. really but um yeah you know it's it if you've got to be on and heart be like we do like I, we... I, I I I fully endorse this beer <laughs> so we 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 have two real disparate groups of people that buy from us it's the ones that that buy nationwide which you know post lockdown ending is now only about 10% of our business it was a lot lot more mm. um, but beyond that group we have our locals and our locals are, it's a core of probably only 40 or 50 people and if I sell them a beer that's shit where does that leave me so we it just it has to be you know it, so basically if it's a good beer bonus if it looks nice 
Um, if I've never heard of you, offer me one to try and prove it. Be prepared to prove it. That's kind of it, really. Mm. Have it's you ever read um, <clears throat> How to Sell Anything to Anyone by... I think it's called Joe Girard. I think that's his name. No. Um, it's this book that was written by a used car salesman in America, 1950s. Right. Okay, you can imagine, right? Um, but it's actually a really amazing book because he talks about how basically we would call it social proofing these days. Yeah. How social proofing is the best form of sales. So um, what he would do is when he sold the car to somebody, he'd find out what their birthday was, and he would know full well that they wouldn't be in the market for a new car for like seven or eight years Absolutely. but he would send him a birthday card every year just ask how the families are doing just, yeah. to, just a reminder yeah. so that when the time came they needed a new car it's him they went to. they went there yeah. and then he would also um say to them like oh you know if you recommend a sale to me i'll give you 50 quid or 50 dollars yeah yeah and that's, then that's um, big. you know people become like I know they'll sell you out for a car. Joe, he's amazing. Yeah. And it's it's that social proofing of like, you know, it's if I'm the brewer, so I, we'll take Emmanuel as an example. If I'm like, oh man, yeah, you want to try and be right and lift it up? It's fucking amazing. You know, these guys might be like, well, you brewed it, you don't think it's great. Yeah. But if, if you drank it, independent of me, with an independent opinion, yeah. it's like, actually, yeah, that's a really good beer. Oh, People would really be more point. inclined. I've not actually thought about to it. Try it. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a really good point. Like, I, there's got to be a value there that an independent, like, non-partisan mm. individual can, can add to, if I, yeah, if I recommend your beer versus you telling me it's great, yeah. I hope it's not shit now. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're like, this is shit. We'll see. Watch our socials next week. Yeah, we'll look at that. Oh, great. <laughs> Feel free not to tag me. But no, that's one thing that we've got to try. Sorry, I'm losing my voice very slightly. Um, we've got to try really hard to keep hold of because, I mean, for, like I said earlier, I'm, I'm still in IT. I want to move into the business full time. The main way that we can make that happen is to get a bigger place um, or basically a second place. So, so we're working really hard and expanding at the moment. We've built up that trust with our local community yep. now. And if we do get a second one open, they all feel like they're part of our little hoppy family and it is managing that because they come in to ask Dave or Jason or Naomi what beer they should drink today yeah. and if we're not there because we're over in the next town that's that bit harder so that, that's the kind of next thing we need to do is maintain that keep that trust that sort of friendship mm. and that, that's very genuine by the way like when we moved we moved to Maidenhead from northwest London almost nine years ago and until we opened the bar in Windsor had like three or four friends and it is that, that community that we brought up, they're all very genuinely our best friends now. And, and yeah, as we try and grow this business, it's maintaining that, keeping that trust that yeah. I, I bought a beer because my mate told me it was wonderful versus I've had a cold email that tells me I should buy this beer. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So I guess last, last question then uh, for the show this week. Um, and I, I normally ask this to my listeners, um, but I mean, where do you see beer heading in, I guess, the UK, which is where we're based? you know, over yeah. the next year or so? Year is short, very short term. So <clears throat> fundamentally... You used I'm, to ask people five years, but yeah. obviously like with COVID and stuff, it's a little bit like, I don't <laughs> my, know what's happening next week. My no. worry, obviously we can see that there's uh, a massive jobs issue in hospitality at the moment. Mm. Not enough people want to work behind bars and in restaurants because yep. uh, the money's poor and the hours are long and it's antisocial for the rest of your friends and family who don't do those hours. And we've got to try and bridge that. We've also got to bridge what's going to happen now that furlough's finished. Um, and I do kind of worry. For in one year, 
I worry. I think there's going to be a lot of businesses closing in the next in the next well six months actually. Yep. I, th- I, say, I think I said earlier. I think they'll weather to Christmas, and, and then we'll see actually how bad this last two years has made it for everyone. Uh, beyond that, if I'm looking positively, then then what I really want to happen, and it's why I put this blog post together, is I just hope we're focusing in, in the right areas. Because what I would like to see is an opportunity. Where, you know, a lot of pubs are going to be up for management by new people. Um, that that you know the craft beer community and the individuals take take those on to an extent that that it's not just all consumed by punch taverns or EI or, or yeah. whatever. That that we can get more lines. Uh, to, like the biggest. The biggest risk to craft beer is it being watered down by the, I've said in, I called them in the blog the oligopoly, but basically Heineken, Coors, AB, those brands, because they'll buy, they'll keep buying uh, Beaver Towns, they'll keep doing that. And then you go to a pub that really boldly proclaims it's got craft beer and you get in there and it's nothing that isn't owned by a massive, massive brand. And we've got 2,200-ish breweries in the UK that have got 8% of the market and it's only going to get worse if we don't do something about it. So, so what I'm kind of hoping is that people see opportunities to take these places on and make them the best that they can be. What I fear is that they get hoovered up by the, the big brands and it gets worse, to be honest. Yeah. So it's going to be a tough year. I have a better idea for, for let's say five years I, I think it'll go in a better direction uh, yeah, craft beer is clearly here to stay it's just how big our you, you know your pie chart analogy earlier how big is our piece of that pie and, and that's why I think yeah we want, we want to work together because um, we need more taps in more venues yeah. that's what we need more than anything else yeah cool mate it's been amazing to have you on the show and I actually meet you in, in 3D Absolutely. Yeah, I know it's awesome <laughs> seen each other on Zoom a few times yeah, yeah cool mate how can people find out about Hoppy Place mm. and buy your beers and so uh, we're on all the socials at as a Hoppy Place all one word which is you know Twitter, Instagram and Facebook we're not yet on TikTok I might, I might get Naomi to do that one I was looking into um, it the other day for a brewery <laughs> and um, I, I thought I'll check out Brewdog because surely they'll have a TikTok account. They have 320 something followers. Wow, is that it? There was three posts. Wow. So it was like, obviously they've abandoned TikTok. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, fine. Um, so we're not going to worry about TikTok. Uh, but obviously our website is just a hobbyplace.co.uk. You can order beer from us there. Our next working day nationwide delivery. Um, Three over 75 quid as well, so you get a box, pay nothing for shipping, which everyone seems to like. Uh, I also interact in most of the beer forums, so if you've been annoyed by a ginger bloke called Dave, that's probably me. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, otherwise, please consider coming down to Windsor sometime to, to see us in the flesh. Uh, what we most enjoy doing is having these conversations. Amazing. Well, well that it's that time again at the bar for another week of the Hot Four podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify and all other good platforms. Be sure to visit hotforward.beer to find out how we can help you get ahead in the brewing and beer business. We make your beer look as good as it tastes and we help you brew up a better business through branding, marketing and consultancy. Remember to follow us on social media at Hot Forward Beers and for another week. Cheers. Cheers.